We've come to our second to last um, sermon on 1 Peter. Uh, we'll be looking at, at the passage that was read earlier, and it's interesting, the themes that we find through 1 Peter are the same themes throughout, and the primary theme is our identity in Jesus Christ needs to be reoriented around the kingdom of God, the values of the kingdom of God, the promise of the kingdom of God, the hope of the kingdom of God. And... Partway through this series, I discovered on Right Now Media, a uh, similar series by Kyle Eidelman, and I want to quote, it's a long quote, uh, but I want to quote from him as he begins to expound this passage. I'm going to uh, read what he had to say. We have this hope in heaven that cannot be touched, and so that means we don't put our hope in things returning to the way they used to be. We don't put our hope in being popular and well-liked. We don't put our hope in freedoms. We don't put our hope in our rights. We have a hope, and our hope is a living hope. It does not spoil. It does not diminish. It does not fade. It is kept secure for us. Our hope can't be voted out by popular opinion. Our hope can't be overturned by a split decision. Our hope can't be robbed by some new ruling. Our hope is alive, and he has a name. His name is Jesus, and he has a hope that does not disappoint. And when we look at our challenges and our struggles through that lens, it gives us strength and it allows us to have joy. It allows us to be motivated toward holiness and to live holy lives that are distinct it allows us to have a spirit of humility because we understand that it is not what we've accomplished, it's what's been accomplished for us. And when people start to see that distinctiveness, when the natives start to notice there's something different, suddenly we will have this chance, as Peter says, to tell of the night and day difference that God has made in our lives through Jesus. And as a result, May there be many more on that day when Christ returns who celebrate. It's a long quote. It was written uh, in 2018, long before COVID, long before the events of this recent weeks. Uh, and it is, I believe, in a sense, prophetic in that it tells us that our hope is always in Christ, anticipating whatever circumstance we know that it's not our circumstances that determine our hope, but the promise and the accomplished work of Jesus Christ. In this passage, we find three sections. One is relatively long as Peter addresses leaders. The next one is super short as he addresses those who uh, serve under that leadership. And then the next one is medium as we look at what all of us should uh, should do in response to the gospel. Uh, I'm going to look very shortly at the longest section and a little bit longer at the shortest section and then spend most of my time on the last section. The first section, of course, uh, having to do with leaders. Uh, I personally have spent a lot of time in that section this week as a leader, and I, I hope to share that section with the session as we consider what it means to be leaders within the church. But since it is directed to the leadership, it is not something that I want to spend a lot of time on today, um, but I do want to point out some things that, that Peter says here. Uh, we are to serve, leaders are to serve faithfully for the good of the flock, not for selfish interests. 
not out of duty, but out of willingness, a willingness that comes from a deep sense of call, a deep love for the people. Not for dishonest gain, but from a spirit of service. Not as a dictator, but as a shepherd servant. Leading out of eternal hope, not earthly ambition. And that's it for leaders. Now to those who are under leaders. What's the word? Submit. You who are younger, submit yourselves to the elders. And remember that word submit is not something that is done to you. Submit is in the middle voice, which means you choose to live under the leadership. And there's a degree uh, to which that means you will trust that leadership. There's a, a degree to which you will honor the leadership as from God. As God has placed those leaders in place, you know that you are to follow and to understand, to seek to understand the decisions made by that leadership. And this does not mean uh, un, unwise trust. This does not mean that everything the leaders do, you say, okay, okay, it's, it's great because they're my leaders. You're allowed to look at the leadership. I invite you to look at my leadership and to um, ask questions if you see something that does not fit these earlier verses here. But it's really about the spirit. There should be a spirit within the church of understanding that leaders are called to their positions and that we trust that leadership. A, a general spirit of trust rather than a general spirit of distrust. And you've seen that happen where there's a general spirit of distrust distrust in leadership, and that that causes every decision to be scrutinized, every move to be questioned. And that is not how we are to live. We are to live uh, as those who overall trust leadership, and it would take a lot to get us to a place where we say there's something wrong. And when there is truly something wrong, that should be addressed. But it's the underlying spirit, which should generally be one of support. Hupotasso, the word that's translated submit, means to get under and support. Support the individuals and support the tasks to which we are called, the overall ministry, the overall mission of the church. And now we've dealt with the first two sections and now finally the last section, uh, but I'm going to spend more time on this one. Verse 5b, all of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Clothe yourselves with humility. That's something you put on. Humility, my friends, is not natural. We say kids are innocent. Well, look at kids. They're not necessarily humble and Many times they will say no, and they will demand what they want. That's just natural. I don't blame them for it. It's just the way human beings act. It's our natural tendency to look out for ourselves. So to choose humility means to 
be deliberate about saying, I'm not going to go with my natural impulses. I am going to put on, and that's the, the word here when it says clothe yourselves. It's a, a putting on, a deliberate clothing yourself with humility. And we, again, we've looked at uh, Philippians 2 a few times during this, uh, during this series where Paul says, consider others better than yourselves. And, and I want to make sure I say again, that does not mean that you consider yourself less valuable than other people. It doesn't mean that you consider yourself to be not as good as other people, but your agendas, your ideas, your purposes, you need to, according to Paul and according to Peter, say, I'm going to listen first. I'm going to work within the body of Christ, not to get my agendas addressed first, but to listen for what other people believe they are called to be and do and work together to accomplish these things. And all of this comes from a deep understanding of grace. I'm going to read from the Eidelman quote again. We are allowed to have a spirit of humility because we understand or we are called to have a spirit of humility because we understand that it is not what we've accomplished, it's what has been accomplished for us. And when people start to see that distinctiveness, when the natives start to notice there's something different, suddenly we will have the chance, as Peter says, to tell of the night and day difference God has made in our lives through Jesus. And as a result, may there be many more on the day that Jesus Christ returns who celebrate. It's not because of what we've accomplished, but what has been accomplished for us. We have nothing more to prove. Therefore, we can choose to be humble. We do not need to exalt ourselves. And it's very interesting here. And this phrase from verse 5 is repeated in the Proverbs. It's repeated by Paul. It's or I mean by James. It's repeated through the Bible. God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Folks, hear that. Watch out for pride. Pride is antithetical to the work of God. God wants us to be humble. So put on humility. Humble yourselves under God's mighty hand that he will lift, up, lift you up in due time, verse 6. God's got this, in other words. Trust him. God opposes the proud. And you might say, mm, I'm not seeing that. I see lots of proud people doing lots of proud things, and God's not addressing it. And I would agree. But God will ultimately and that's part of our trust. That's part of our trust in the kingdom of God, part of our trust in the work of God in our lives, that we put our hope, our trust in the coming kingdom, in the, the justice and righteousness that God will allow to fill the earth one day. And our hope, our primary hope in this life is for that life. So we humbly, we humbly receive that glorious life from God and resist pride. Pride causes all kinds of ugly. 
James in chapter 4 says this, What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but you cannot have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you do ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you have on your pleasures, you adulterous people. I don't, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the spirit he caused to dwell in us, but he gives us more grace? That is why scripture says, God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. And when James is saying friendship with the world, he's really saying um, identity, identity that is rooted in this world, identity is, that is rooted in what you, your earthly self. We are called to have an identity rooted in the love of God, rooted in our connection with God, rooted in the hope of eternity that God has blessed us with. Wars, fights, quarrels, all these things come from desires that battle within us. And that's not the, the word desire we often look at that, that means inordinate desires or misplaced desires. This word is a desire that just means I want what I want. And that attitude causes all kinds of problems. Jane Austen was wise when she entitled her book Pride and Prejudice. For at the root of prejudice is pride. Prejudice is one of those things that we're dealing with in our society today. And I'm not just talking about racial prejudice. I'm talking about how we tend to have our own ideas and judge everyone else's ideas by what we already think we know. And we do, we're not able to hear, we're not willing to hear what other people have to say. I would say prejudice is intellectually lazy. It's a failure to get outside your own perspective. It's overly simplified thinking. We say, well, I saw one person do this and that person was of this race or of this political persuasion or whatever, and now I know that all of them are like that. That's so lazy, folks. It's not true. We can't judge the whole by the one. We can't even judge the majority of any group by one or two people. I think part, a big part of the problem we're having is that um, people are judging whole groups by individual actions or even actions of a few. But even the few do not, say what, do not determine what the whole of that group is. We are plagued by an unwillingness to learn new things. People want to understand things only one way. They do not want to be confused by new facts, new perspectives, new understandings. And that, my friends, is pride. And God opposes the proud. I came across a new phrase this week, um, illusory pattern perceptions. Let me read you the definition. 
to find patterns in random stimuli, drawing correlations and even causation where none has actually occurred. And this phrase is uh, used to explain the problem of uh, conspiracy theorists, people who are, are looking for patterns and, and putting things together that don't really go together, and they're explaining the world through these patterns that they've discovered, or more likely someone discovered for them, or someone made up for them, and then everything is easy, everything is simple, because it all makes sense. Friends, that is intellectually lazy. The world is complex. There are various perspectives, various understandings, and pride keeps us from being willing to hear what other people have to say. I would say pride and prejudice are spiritually lazy. Signs that the kingdom of God, the new identity in Christ, has not taken hold. Again, back to the book of James, verse, or, I mean, chapter 1. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. We need to listen. We need to listen to each other. We need to listen to people who are different than we are. Otherwise, we're trapped in pride, which God opposes. Humility allows us to be faithful to God, to hear God's voice, to hear the voice of others, to understand people with the heart of God who looks at them and loves them. And our hope is anchored firmly, anchored firmly in the promises of God. Let me finish uh, by reading once again part of the quote from Kyle Eidelman. We don't put our hope in being, we don't put our hope in things returning to the way they used to be. We don't put our hope in being popular and well-liked. We don't put our hope in our freedoms we don't put our hope in our rights. We have a hope, and our hope is a living hope. Let that hope in the completed work of Jesus Christ transform your heart, transform your mind, transform your life as we live as those who have a hope that will not disappoint. And when we stand in that glorious kingdom of God, we will we will be filled with joy because that hope will have proven itself trustworthy and true. In the meantime, humble ourselves before God and be humble with those around us. And we can then demonstrate unity with Jesus Christ, the love of God, flowing through him into us and from us into the world. Amen.